This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. The First Lady of New York Radio, Joan Hamburg. Entertaining and informative. Talk Radio 77 WABC. Welcome, everyone. It's Joan Hamburg, and I'm really happy to have one of my favorite people, Alec Baldwin, who is visiting today. And Alec has a live, well, he's got his podcast show, but he's got his live podcast show on October 11th, which is next Wednesday at Town Hall in New York. And Alec is sitting down with Michael Wolf, who's a very prominent writer, author. And Michael has a new book called The Fall, The End of Fox News and the Murdoch Dynasty. And that's going to be, again, a week from Wednesday, 7.30 at Town Hall in New York. And there's going to be questions, answers, and I'm sure everyone has a lot, including you. Um. Well, first, I want to mention that in this building, it's interesting that the 77 Talk Radio ABC logo is everywhere. It's on the table. It's on the windows. <laughs> it's on the window shade. It's on the door. In case you you, there's forgot. no mistake where you are. You know exactly where you are when you're in this building. Um, Michael Wolf <clears throat> did my podcast uh, live at Town Hall when his book Fire and Fury came out. And we had a great uh, live event there, and people were just, uh, of course, they were very primed um, uh, to want to hear his opinions of Trump, and his book, Fire and Fury, was a big deal. It was a very, very, you know, much-anticipated book about Trump's uh, presidency, and uh, we had a thousand people in there who were just mm. hung on his every word. So he's agreed to come back to promote his new book about Murdoch and, uh, and Fox News. And, uh, you know, Wolf is somebody who he just... Like all great writers and journalistic writers, if you will, um, he uh, he gets into people's uh, heads. He gets into people. He gets information. He's it's tough to uh, you know, like I guess uh, an obvious comparison is Bob Woodward. You know, someone like that who right. sits down with people, and by the time he's done, he's gotten you to tell him a lot he's gotten and you don't even know what happened you're like oh my god what happened you thought you were having dinner yeah no that's a gift you have that too you get a lot of things out of people well you've done this uh you know much longer than i have and in my career of doing my radio podcast and me doing here's the thing it was really just a question of interviewing people that I, I liked. I was either very, very keen on their, their work uh, as uh, uh, advocates for some cause. They were writers, academics, uh, political figures, government officials, and of course, actors, musicians, and artists of whatever, uh, whatever stripe. And uh, <clears throat> for me, I either get to sit down for an hour with somebody that I love, that I love their, their talent, and there's a, we have a huge list of uh, singers and musicians and so forth, Carly Simon and Streisand mm. and on and on and on, Julie Andrews, and a lot of uh, pop music and rock stars and so forth. But um, uh, and then there's people, I'm just interested in what they do. So it's, it's educational for me as well. And do you feel, do you want to go further with this or you like the way this is set up, the way you're talking to everyone? 
what else do you think you want to do with it or whatever? Well, I think a lot of people, <clears throat> you're a famous radio personality and it's all sound only. It's, uh, it's therefore it's just ideas when people are listening only. They're not distracted by what people are wearing and how no. they fix their hair. I've had a, a handful or more than that of guests come on the show and they say, are you doing video? And I say, no. And they just sigh and say, oh, great. I don't have to get dressed up and, and get, fix my hair and whatever and get right. my makeup on. They come in and all the focus is on what we say because it's only audio. And I prefer that. I've had people suggest to me some uh, vehemently that I do the show, um, uh, that I do the show uh, with Visually. video as well. And I've just always said, no, it didn't interest me. You know, you're so right because listening is a great art and a lot of people don't know how to listen. And that's what makes such a difference when you interview. You listen. Not everyone does that. Well, I mean, sometimes I don't. Well, if it's <laughs> boring, you're going to I think turn sometimes off. I'm trying to drive the thing yeah. toward where I would like it to go and what I want to glean from the whole thing. But I think also that uh, when you have an audio-only uh, program, people can consume it anywhere. You know, you have to... Video is something you have to make an appointment with. You have to sit down and watch a movie. You can't do it when you're driving can't do it when you're running. You can't do it at the gym. You can't do it, you know, a lot, there's a lot of places you can't consume video, that, which is why music is so much more powerful than movies in my mind. Music is something you can consume anywhere, in a, in a, in a restaurant you can be playing. Music is in people's lives 24-7 if they want right, it. since they're kids. Right, and they, they can consume it at will, whereas TV and film, you have to make an appointment with a screen to sit down and watch it. So I really love that people can listen to my podcast and they do when they're jogging when they're riding their bike when they're in their car it's uh it's it's much easier for them to consume and do you find that people open up to you some do and some don't i mean some people come in and they have done innumerable interviews i've got a couple of people in mind i won't say who they are but they come in and they have a very kind of uh, uh prepared canned statements they make or stories they tell, which is fine. I mean, uh, and they come in and they, uh, they're not going to deviate from that uh, uh, script, if you will. They've, they've been doing this a long time and they know what they want to say. And there's other people who come in and want to have a conversation where they, uh, they want to find out where you're going and we, 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 what about them had you, had you invite them to the show? Why did I bring them on the show? What was it I was after? And a lot of people I bring them on, like we just interviewed this guy, Andrea Crosta, who I read about him as I often um, uh, cull these subjects from uh, like the Times or the New Yorker magazine and so forth. And Crosta, they did a profile on him. He lives in Los Angeles. He's Italian. And he's one of the foremost undercover, uh, 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 what's the word I should use? Uh, you, know, um, um, you know, activists, I guess is the word combating uh, illegal importation of animals for uh, medicine, like rhino horn, right. uh, any way that animals are abused and eventually used in uh, uh, different medicines and so forth. Krosta is one of the foremost activists who's fighting the illegal trade of, uh, of uh, uh, animal, um, animal parts. And it must be a big deal, and most of us don't even know it. Well, when you when you tell when he tells his story, you're when he comes it. on, yeah, you I mean you just you're, you're sitting there thinking, I live my life, and my life was like this and this and this, and here's this guy that's out there trying to fight 
people who are, you know, uh, um, uh, you know, doing horrible things to animals. I mean, we, we, we didn't even really get into too much detail about that because it was so grisly. But, uh, you know, where poaching and where uh, the, um, uh, the uh, exploitation of exotic animals for medicine, and, and, and obviously there are certain parts of the world where this is very common and very uh, um, uh, serious. Uh, and, and Krosta is somebody that's fighting this. I mean, he's just uh, he's an amazing yeah. human being. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You you know, I watch that. You know, every now and then you'll see something really good on public when they'll talk about animals and the abuse and elephants and all the things that, you know, we don't really pay enough attention to. And we have to. And that, that's part of the thing that that you do. Are you having fun at all now in your life, all the kids traveling, doing a million things? Well, I don't do a million things anymore, and I hardly travel anymore because of my kids, but I wouldn't have it any other way. I found a place in my life, which is, uh, I never thought I would say this, I mean, at my age, I'm 65, and I never thought I would say this, but uh, staying home and being a father to my children and a husband to my wife, and, uh, you know, work is something that is now a, it's kind of weird to me even i have trouble understanding how it's become this like almost incredibly distant second or like i don't really care about work anymore and all i care about is my kids and their health and well-being and my wife and our family what do you think happened to you that you you know i mean always when you achieve success one concentrates a lot on work so what for you was the changing point well, I think getting shift. older, I think getting older. I mean, I am, I, I had a lot of kids later in life. I mean, I'm, I have a one-year-old daughter. I'm 65. That's not that, that common. You probably but, enjoy her more than if you well, were 25. I mean, I'm, well, I'm, I mean, I'm more willing to sacrifice. Uh-huh. You know, if it was 25 years ago when I was 40 you or even beyond that, I was always just geared to work. Uh, I have a daughter with my ex-wife, my daughter Ireland. Her mother was uh, very active and working. We both worked all the time, and we understood that's how it worked. We were at that time in our lives that that was primary. That was what you did. I shot movie after movie. I lit one off the other. I was like a chain smoker, you know. I just mm-hmm. worked. And to have children now, where uh, the business is uh, the strike, uh, is a way, is a prism into people understanding how the business has changed again, and technology is going to change the business again. And who knows where it's going to be five years from now. So for me, um, it's, uh, uh, it's easier to find something else to fall in love with. You know, acting and making movies and doing theater and doing all those things is something that was important to me for 40 years of my life. And um, uh, 40, yeah, since 1980, so it's 44 years, 43 years rather, and now uh, um, it's not as important to me. I've, I've, it's like I fell out of love with that and I've fallen in love with eight kids. other people. Yeah, yeah, my wife and my seven kids and my older daughter who she just had a baby. So I'm one of those rare individuals who is a father and a grandfather in the same year. 
<laughs> I'm glad you're laughing, Chad. I like that. Well, there's a good children's book for you. Yeah, well, actually, I'm, 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 I could see myself writing children's books. But, you know, my kids are, uh, my daughter Carmen is 10, which we find hard to believe. And and again, it's also like the partner you have, you know. I mean, I was married before and I got divorced. And that was tough, you know, tough custody battle with my ex-wife and so forth. And and now I'm in a situation where I think everybody wants what's best for my family. You know, my, my, my wife, Ilaria, is such a unique person. She's a very, very... Um, She's a very unique person. She's wonderful in so many ways. Yeah, yeah and that's really good for you too. Yeah. You- but I, but also it's like uh, it's like what are the things you derive from acting? I had a friend of mine say to me a long time ago. He said, "Would you rather act it on screen or live it in real life? Your emotional, uh, uh, your emotional uh, truth." But how do you answer? Well, that? the answer for me now is I'd rather live it in real life. I mean, f- before. You would invest so much of your energy, your spiritual energy, your chi, your life force, whatever you call that, you would put that into your acting and you'd want to, you know, give it everything you had and and do the best job you could. If you're a professional, you play the role regardless of whether it's sympathetic or unsympathetic and so forth. And um, then when he said that to me, uh, which was a perspective of an an older guy, he was older. And you get to that point now where you're, uh, I'm uh, at this age and I'm like, God, I'd rather just stay home, be with my kids. And it gives you a lot of pleasure? Oh, God, it's, it's, my, my kids crack me up every day. They're the, they're the funniest. I can't even say on the radio what they say to me. They're just, they're like, they're New Yorkers. My kids are New York. They were born in Manhattan, raised in New York. It's a different they kind got a of lot kid. of opinions. They got yeah. a lot of opinions. It's so. a different kid. And now that kids are different today. That yeah. you're at a different stage, too, you can enjoy them. Yeah, we we uh we don't get to do things the way we did when we had one kid, two kids. We would fly, we go to Europe, we go to Italy, we go to London. I'd shoot a movie. We went to Spain for my wife to see her relatives there. Blah blah blah. But we we didn't. Uh, uh, now we you know traveling with my wife and I and a couple people to help us and seven children. Oh. They don't have that many seats in first class anymore. <laughs> no, <laughs> so. That that's for sure. That could be a blessing too. <laughs> that they have we, to yeah, we're going to save some money on, right? air, on airfare. Yeah, the, the back of the bus. And do the kids all get along? Well, you know, they really are a pack. They're very in love with each other and close to each other. And that doesn't preclude them from arguing and fighting. And and uh, and and I, I have we have our daughter Carmen. Then we had four boys in a row, and those four boys can get a little rowdy from time to time. And I'm one of four. Well, boys yeah, I was going to say you grew up with brothers. Yeah, I, it's, and... it's, 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 there's, there are flashbacks I'm having on a daily basis, which with... are rather unsettling, but they're rare. They're, they're, they're not, uh, a pro- there's, nothing, there's nothing that's a problem. Everything with them is ordinary. They behave the way kids always behave. Right. Yeah. And they're New York kids. Well, that's another thing, which is that, of course, I thought the, the minute we had a fourth child, let alone a fifth, sixth, and seventh, that we, would leave New, yeah, that we would leave New York, that we would go somewhere like the suburbs and go to Westchester or Connecticut right. or somewhere. Uh, my wife is not done with the city. She's a young woman, and she loves Manhattan. She loves New York and living in New York, so we decided to stay here and live here. And what do you find with this bunch of kids? Is it easy in the city? Easier? It's not, it's, well, what it, what's easy is there's a lot to do. 
uh-huh. and you can go to the museum and, you know, right. natural history, for example, is a, is a constant stop of ours. And we go there, uh, and, and especially when the weather's bad or it's cold, we go inside, obviously. And you go to these places, and you can never tire. You can never cover all the ground. No, it's exactly There's right. There's always more to see and to discover there. And no. that's true with, uh, uh, you know, Marine Museum out in Brooklyn. We go, there's about five or six stops we go to. Of course, my kids love the Museum of Ice Cream. Wait, how come I don't know about it? Well, that you're going to have to look it up. You have, you have a staff here. They can look up the Museum <laughs> of Ice Cream for you. I love that. Yeah, well, my kids love it too. They yeah. go there and they, they study ice cream. They study it. Well, do, you, do you lick it clockwise or do you lick counterclockwise <laughs> on your cone? It sounds good. You're going to become the big authority They got a good now. life. They got a good life. They got a, good, they got a great it. mother. I'm glad. Yeah. And I'm glad Thank for you. you. So we got Michael you. Wolf next Wednesday. Right. The 11th, live. Live, 730 at uh, Town Hall here in Manhattan. To uh, I'm going to do a podcast with him about his new book, uh, Fall. Uh, the end of Fox News and, and the, the Murdoch, Murdoch dynasty, and a lot to do about the Murdochs. They're in the papers every single day now. Right. Anything surprise you about them, or do I have to wait for the event? No, I think that what you'll see is. I mean, I'm not going to have any fresh ideas here. That that the Murdochs, Rupert Murdoch resigning is a big deal. Yeah. And I think that the that Murdoch, what he did was he made himself a figure of tremendous power. And uh, an influence, and he'd pick up the phone, and he could get a lot of things done. And I'm not quite sure that any of his family members will have the same success. Well, I was going to ask you: Is the son he chose to be the heir for the moment? Is that a good choice? Do you think? I don't think it's a question of a good choice. I think that Murdoch, now that he's retired, and certainly once he's gone, I mean, he's not a he's not a young guy. Right. Certainly, certainly once he's gone, I don't think any of his family could replace him. He's he's really a once in a lifetime magnate of a certain proportions and a certain career path and his influences and what he built. I mean, I'm not at all uh, 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 the demographic for Fox News in any way whatsoever. I but mean, he I'm, did it. But, but, but he did achieve what he achieved. And I think now that he's done, I think that you're going to start to see the kind of diminution of that empire. And that's Alec Baldwin. And if you want to meet Alec in person, go to the live podcast show. It's October 11th at Town Hall. And it's with Michael Wolfe. Michael's book is something you're all interested in, The Fall, The End of Fox News, and The Murdoch Dynasty. Thank you. Thank you, Joan. It was a great pleasure to see you. Love seeing you, too. Thank you. I know. Thank you. And my son sends lots of affection. I love to John. All right, everyone. We have lots more to come. I'm Joan Hamburg. Stay tuned.